right, you Genotion riffraff. It's time to dust off your starter jackets, rip off those tearaways, and blow into your game cartridges. I'm Sam Blend. I'm Pat Sellers. I'm Sean Kelly. And we wish it was the 90s. A couple of weeks ago, I moaned about fatigue, but uh, San Diego Comic-Con at 22 has reignited my passion for the <laughs> X-Men. Um, so uh, just a little rundown on, on what we're covering today. Uh, we're actually going to start with a riff chat of what we saw, or what's come out at least. We weren't there, um, but we've seen some dodgy photos taken in, the, in this whatever was going on of X-Men 97. Then we'll cover off Sanctuary 1 and 2, Xavier Remembers, Courage, Secrets Not Long Buried, and Nightcrawler. There's been a request in the slacks for time codes, but we'd prefer you to fast forward and rewind like a tape deck. Um, so just just quickly, um, and um, mainly for the purpose of putting an X Men '97 um, title for this episode and picture on on the YouTube links to um, gain us maybe some extra views. Yeah, I like uh, that. yeah. Everyone, there's, I think there's four images. Um, so you get the classic X Men team uh, looking pretty sharp. Um, Pretty, pretty. I was wondering if they might change the uniforms or anything, but nostalgia reigns supreme here. Although we'll come back to outfit changes, we get an interesting lineup of villains. Are they uh, villains? Well, one of them is. So you've got um, Sinister at the front and middle. Sorry, I'm uh, Emma, F- Emma Frost, the White Queen, old mate Callisto of the Morlocks. That looks like Sebastian Shaw of the Hellfire Club in the Inner Circle. And I'm led to believe that lady on the far left is Valerie Cooper, who's like a government person who um, sometimes friend, mainly foe of the X-Men. It was Miss Scarlet. <laughs> well, we could only dream. Then there's a lineup that could be X-Force. Um... That's got Cable, Bishop, Forge, Nightcrawler, what I think might be Morph in his more comic uh, accurate Morph face. Yeah, okay. I, I was like, is that Caliban? But why would he be in that X Men outfit? Um, and yeah, so. Who's so on the left? Sunspot. Never heard uh, of Sunspot. Very. R- Roberto da Costa. Um, he is mint. He's awesome. Um, so on the morph thing, so so morph wasn't was kind of made up for the cartoon, but there was a um, changeling type character from the sixties called Changeling, who was a villain. Then um, for a time in the sixties, posed as the professor while he was away doing space things. Um, and then just never really popped up again. Kevin Sydney, and then they never give Morph a human name in the cartoon. And then in 1995, you have Age of Apocalypse, alternative X-Men comic book world, where Morph is one of the X-Men, and it's that character Kevin Sydney, but he's got this weird sort of like face, kind of like this one. So I wonder if they're trying to bring that all together somehow. I don't really know. Um, but yeah, I, I wonder, is that, is that a potential X-Force lineup? Cable's obviously, well, 
maybe not obviously for Sam, but Cable's uh, quite often <laughs> the leader of X-Force. Sunspot's a member of X-Force. Um, I'm mostly excited with uh, Roberto Sunspot being there. Hopefully you get more uh, cannonball. <laughs> I knew you'd be thinking that. Uh, what were you saying, Sam? Um, it just seemed like it was like um, allies of the X-Men almost from the, the people that I recognise in the picture. Yeah, that could be the case. And it could be like, yeah, these are some characters that are going to pop up again as opposed to this is an actual team or something like that. Um, but, I mean, awesome to see the return of Morph, Cable, Bishop, Forge, Nightcrawler, and the... I don't know if Sunspot turns up at any stage in the episodes to come. So... Interesting um, that, that two of the characters from that picture um, feature in these next um, few episodes that we're going to cover. Yes, very timely. Thank you, San Diego Comic Con. And then the fi- <laughs> the final image. Yeah, we've got to get uh, to this one. This is good. Magneto. He looks awesome. In his uh, so in the eighties, surprise, surprise, Professor X ta- takes off, um, and he Magneto takes over the X Men. Um, but the X-Men kind of, so he's like the headmaster of the school. Does that happen? Yep. How good's that? And then, um, I'm just sending you a picture of what he looks like in that series. So you guys can see it on your phones. It looks like David, it looks like David Bowie in that picture. (laughs) And we're, we're here for that. But he, um. He actually doesn't have that much to do with the main team because they're kind of self-sufficient under Storm's leadership. And he recruits, or I don't know if it's Professor X first, but they get a bunch of new, young, teenaged mutants called the New Mutants. And uh, Magneto sort of mentors them. And I believe Sunspot is one of those new mutants. So we're thinking that's where the new cartoon's going to head? Yeah, I mean... Don't want to spoil anything for what we've still got to watch, um, but there were murmurs out of San Diego Comic Con that Magneto will be um, the headmaster of the school, at, at least at the start of X Men '97. Awesome. I mean, we only got those few pictures to go off, but all those outfits look outstanding. But going through this uh, original series all again, we know that uh, all the design work that really matters is what are they going to wear in their civvies. <laughs> and I, for one, really look forward to Magneto and his civvies. Oh, yeah. But what I also like about um, his 80s costume, and I think you'll be really glad to hear this, Sam, is that purpley thing with the big M on it. No helmet. Oh, I've got a, a note about him to, with his helmet in this, uh, this series of episodes. Oh, I've got some notes about his um, costumes in general. So, um, shall we jump into Sanctuary Part One? Yeah, I just just one thing. I'm, I, if that's the case, I really hope that a he spends some time in a floaty chair with a tartan blanket, and <laughs> and I hope, and I hope Beast carries him around like a toddler at some point. <laughs> or rogue, or rogue. 
Yeah, so um, so Sanctuary, I, I I think I said this at the end of last episode, I couldn't remember a lot of these episodes, and what, two minutes into Sanctuary, I, I, I now know what this is based on, and this is great. So um, essentially what's going on here is Magneto has established himself a base orbiting planet Earth called Asteroid M that all mutants are welcome to. Um, he has a little appearance at the UN to announce that to the world, and then he um, he pretty much goes around X, Y, Z meeting points, collecting mutants, and he's actually taking them up in a you know a whatever um, proof vessel that he uses his powers to move, which is pretty pretty extravagant. Um, and uh, the X-Men are suspicious of this, um, so a few of them uh, pop off to talk to Magneto about it, um, and so Professor X, Beast, and Gambit end up on this asteroid. Uh, we meet some new characters, we see some familiar faces, um, and um, basically kind of finishes with... Um, Cortez, one of the new characters, Fabian Cortez, one of uh, Magneto's acolytes, is a real jerk um, and has sabotaged um, Magneto. Is that a fair summary of the episode? Definitely. Pretty well done. Yeah. Wraps so, up nicely. So I, a couple of things. I really enjoy uh, the UN scene, first of yes. all. Who put Russia next to the US at the UN? And secondly, <laughs> looks like a regular UN meeting, and that pans to Genosha. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Uh, and then, um, yeah, Magneto comes in, and he's just—it's all—it's—it's it's great to see him. It's meant. I think he says something like, "The liberation of mutant kind has begun," and. Um, and then you get these real cool cameos of people seeing it on TV, including a lot of um, a lot of the villains. I quite enjoyed that. Um, yeah. That UN uh, meeting rep- was pretty good, especially when the representative for Kenosha like really gets defensive when um, someone calls him out for um, Genosha, basically running slaves. He gets really offended by it, and then has like a terrible defense where he basically describes them using mutants as resources basically describing slavery again doesn't he say something doesn't he actually take beef with the use of the word slavery yeah and then describes it um is that uh where magneto takes his helmet off his hair yep. just like his hair like stays up briefly looking oh like yeah he spiked up and then it just like settles down like, oh that's cool yeah <laughs> And when there's the uh, what you mentioned before, with the flashbacks around to all the different mutants around mutants around the world, and, and uh, it, it, uh, there was a bad guy bar. Did you see that? Some bad guys Ooh. watching it in bad guy bar. <laughs> nah, it was that. It was the lady who wilts the rose in bad guy bar. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, good stuff. <laughs> Thought that. Was um. It was like we got a shot of like Sinister and a few others. It was quite good. Um, I just and then so I mean, there's quite a few interesting things that happen. Um, 
Gambit's randomly got a mate or something running off to join Asteroid M, so he wants to go and talk to him about it. Who's his um, mate? I quite anyway? like how. Yeah. I don't know. Sally just wants to get away from Rogue, even though they're heating up. <laughs> they are heating up. They are heating up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I quite enjoy the fact that. Um, Prick Kelly and um, the prof have a hotline to talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, that's real bizarre. <laughs> now, Pro- Professor X is constantly demanding to talk to the president these days. Um, and um, so, yeah, so they, and they go to Genosha where Magneto wants to liberate mutants and you get that scene. So I think you work out here that something's up with his powers. Um and we meet the acolytes, including Fabian Cortez, who has one of the most outrageous 90s ponies you'll ever see. Fabian for Cortez is a great villain. They're, actually, X-Men, uh, the animated series, hits on a lot of villains. Yeah, that's fair. I like um, the villains also... a lot more than the main characters often. <laughs> yeah, I um, think that's fair. Especially, like, I heard Fabian's a good one. I like that he's voiced by that crusty employee from the Simpsons. Um, I also, we meet Amelia Vought, who's another one of Professor X's old flames. Yeah, this is good. And she refers to him as Charlie. Yeah, I thought that was great, dude. I got news for you, Charlie. Um, (laughs) Probably the highlight of the episode for me was uh, Magneto hosting a dinner party in open robes. Those white robes? Did you see them? Because he quickly the... changes into his uniform um, when um, when things start kicking off, so it's only brief. But his white robes are something to behold. When you said something uh, that you really enjoyed about this episode, I thought you were going to mention that there was no Meg. Um, oh, no, no. Hey, look, I like Meg. I think he was the only... X-Men not in this episode. And I was pretty, pretty gutted. I really enjoyed the ep, uh, having said that. I, yeah, I think there's something to be said for, like, one of those great moments where Magneto is right. Like, what's wrong with what he's doing? Yeah, it's potentially threatening to humankind for him to be out there. But his intentions to just have a bait and he seems to be conducting himself in a way as like i just don't want anything to do with you humans i don't really care what you think of it but we won't hurt you we're just going to stay away Magneto's awesome they the base that they have on the asteroid this is the question i had was that already there and that was that like a human base up there and they just went and took it over is that where the beef lies? Because otherwise I couldn't figure out why they were worried about them going to live on this asteroid. I think they see it as a threat. Um, like, yeah. like he's got weapons and stuff up there as well. But I think he built it. Because it's real metally. Like lots of mm. these episodes, Pat, it's not explained very well. We'll get um, to that just... on a later and episode. And probably not important either. <laughs> um. <laughs> Check your phones. I just sent you a picture of Magneto and his white robes from the comics. I'm having to move very slowly with my microphone being very sensitive at the moment. So you're really putting me under heaps of stress sending me messages on the phone at the moment. 
He looks like some kind of sensei. Yeah, how good. Um, the only other thing I noticed is there were some flashbacks of the X-Men. I don't know what they were doing, but original X-Men. And um, Warren was in there. And I thought it was made pretty clear in the previous seasons that they didn't know him until the apocalypse stuff happened. He's Archangel, eh? Yeah. But he was flying around in his awful 60s duds. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, so episode two, right? So basically what's happened is um, Cortez is powering up Magneto. That's, that's why Magneto's powers are fluctuating. So he's given him extra power, but then it depletes him. And so he's basically set the X-Men up. He's kicked Mag- he, he thinks he's killed Magneto. He sets the X-Men up to take the blame and um and so the x-men have to escape and they do but professor leaves gambit behind because he's a jerk um and um the x-men so they go back and there's lots of random appearances the x-men decide they've got to go back and stop uh the asteroid m from bombing earth or whatever and saving gambit and it's a bit of a disarmament mission. Um, and they do get up there. They manage to stop it. Um, Magneto's not dead. And Cortez gets exposed um, by virtue of a VHS recording. <laughs> and, um, and then it sort of finishes with Magneto deciding to abandon Asteroid M and Apocalypse shows up at the very saving Cortez and appears to be with Deathbird of the Shi'ar. Um, so it's quite an action-heavy episode. A um, couple of highlights. Cortez laughing maniacally, which is what it says on the subtitles. <laughs> um, yeah, he's, he's quite punishing throughout this, to be honest. <laughs> Although I did... I did I did find it quite funny when he's like constantly trying to um, really accelerate things for Magneto. Remind me of like the really annoying kid at school, like whenever there was conflict, like trying to get two guys to have a fight. <laughs> Crack him! <laughs> he said, "Your mum's fat." <laughs> um, I got there's more sort of Magneto Nazi flashbacks. Um, I noted that it seems a really bad time to have a funeral for Magneto with Gambit captured on the asteroid. And the weird thing about that was Rogue was like saying, all I can do is think about Magneto. I was like, surely you should be thinking of Gambit. I didn't pick up on that. More hints to their um, random comic book history. Rogue and Magneto. From their time stuck trapped in the Savage Land together. Rogue with him in Savage Land in the comic books. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, but really took it, it was is taking a turn this season. What is Gambit is just for the for the good, like oh, he's, he's less creepy, um, he's a lot more, uh, a lot less self serving. Hmm. He's taken on feedback and he's improved himself, <laughs> <laughs> he's happy to sacrifice himself. Mm, fair. Uh, what did you guys think of the X-Men spacesuits? 
I thought Wolverine's particularly liked Batman. Yeah, Meg. Meg is Batman. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he loves Batman. When you first good stuff. Yeah. When, when you first um, see him, I can't remember if it's Cortez or Cortez's sidekick. It's like, something's wrong. And then the doors open and just Meg goes, yeah. And he just like flies out as Batman. <laughs> I thought all of the spacesuits looked awesome, except Professor looked awful. <laughs> was this when he, he was getting bound by Beast at some point? Always. There's uh, good, another, some good cameos again in this episode, X-Factor again, and um, obviously lots of cameos with the random mutants on the thing. Speaking of, there's a, there's a character called Random from the 90s who's that big whitish grey looking dude who turns his hand into a gun. And he's in so many he's in so many scenes in these episodes. Doesn't say yeah. a word. In my notes, it was to ask you what was that guy's name, and I think I only remember him from collectors' cards. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Cards. His name's random. <laughs> good stuff. Uh, so what else? What else was really good? Yeah, who's the big bald guy um, who sounds like Cookie Monster? Is he one of the acolytes or someone else? You know, he like turns on Cortez at the end. He's like, oh, don't look good, Cortez. <laughs> like he's eating cookies. I don't, I don't know. Um, I like the part where Meg says to Cortez, I don't like your face, punk. Yeah, <laughs> um, uh, it's all good stuff. Um, I thought Amelia's um, power was good, the cloud of mist. Yeah, that sort of like, yeah, can sort of just go wherever she wants. I was very confused by a line of, I think it was Kelly's, and he called uh, Cortez a little tin horn dictator. What does that mean? <laughs> it's good. Kelly's got a so, voice. In the end, Magneto kind of saves them, which is great. Um, Cortez is a big panic. He's actually like a bit of a big baby, actually, you know? Just like, but Super yeah. whiny. Yeah. So whiny. And his voice is always breaking. Um, I love it when uh, Gambit and Rogue are doing some flirting towards the end, and Meg says, you're making me sick. <laughs> <laughs> I ship Gambit and Cher. Yeah, yeah. Oh. As, as, as do most. Uh, um. The- a couple of things I just picked up at the end. Um, Meg gets aroused by some mutant. She'd be a handful on the first date. Um, and at the end, when Apocalypse pops up, I saw it was Apocalypse, and you don't hear the voice first. Maybe Pat could answer to this better than Sean, because he's the voice man. It is definitely not the Apocalypse voice from earlier episodes. Ooh, I didn't notice. Ooh. Yeah, I didn't notice either, but that'd be uh, worth having a look. See if you. So heard the, you heard the voice, and you can see the body, and I was like, "It's definitely Apocalypse." I was like, "But that voice isn't right." So who is it? And then Apocalypse pops up. I was like, ah, "This this is wrong." Interesting. Well, no spoilers here, but I'd like to investigate that further down the line, perhaps. No, Apocalypse uh, didn't pop up in the next episode, so. Um, so all in all, I really enjoyed Sanctuary 1 and 2. Sam, um, you would have enjoyed all this space stuff. 
hey, with lack of Meg and space stuff, I really, really enjoyed those two episodes. I thought they were a lot better than pretty much all of season three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there you go. Maybe um, the Magneto yeah. popping back up is the denominator there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we, so we ready for the next episode? Yeah. Any more? Yeah. yeah. So something titled Exam Members always makes me nervous. Um, Professor Heavy episodes. Yeah, I'm really um, going to have to listen to this summary because I pretty much signed out for this entire thing. Yeah, <laughs> is fuck on board. <laughs> this was not one of my favourites. Um, so, nah, I don't like it either. But so, just overall, Xavier's having weird nightmares, and I ca- I couldn't work out if the students were actually, well, the X-Men were actually in these scenarios and, or it was nightmares. It was very confusing. Um, but that's sort of what's going on. It turns out it's the fucking Shadow King again. He's back. Um, it was Storm's episode. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, and, um, and turns out he's got history with the prof. I don't remember if that was alluded to or not in Storm's episode. We get some astral plane stuff again. Um, and so Shadow King sort of ends up possessing the professor. So Gene comes to the rescue. Um, and, and then they battle him in the astral plane with lightsabers. Um, and are eventually, with the combined psychic might of Gene and the professor, they are able to uh, flush the Shadow King down the astral toilet, literally at the end of the episode. He just goes down a big swirly thing. And um and and that's yeah. I mean there's some interesting things that happen in this episode, but some good cameos and stuff like that, but yeah. Thoughts? I liked when that little old lady stole Xavier's wallet. <laughs> wasn't that Storm? <laughs> young Storm. Yeah, yeah. Young Storm, wasn't it? Oh, yes, <laughs> young Storm. Yeah, well, it's interesting that, that, that and Meg saying Shadow King to me, which was yeah, I right, say we man, do a Shadow King right. to me. <laughs> the, the um, storm scene's interesting because you get to meet uh, Amal Farouk, who is um, the human who the Shadow King possesses the most in the comics. Um, but you know they don't do much with him. I quite like at the start, like it's kind of like everyone's worst nightmare. So like um, Meg has a fight with Sabretooth. Sentinels are attacking Jubilee. Storm's in a small space. Um, Cyclops' worst nightmare is sinister grabbing Gene. I thought it might have been Meg. Um, so you're going to talk about what they're all wearing when they come out at the start in their PJs. And they're all like, you know, like Wolverines and Boxers, Beasts and Boxers, Jubilees, like in an oversized shirt. And then like, Squinty comes out in his full gear. He sleeps in it. <laughs> you absolute nerd. He sleeps in it. Either that or he's like, he sets it up like a fireman. So if the bell goes off, he like steps straight into his uniform. Now, Squinty's picked up on a few things though. He's He must have heard us mugging Beast off for his fighting because as soon as they realise there's something happening, he's like, Beast, see if everyone's all right. Everyone else, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> East, you're a doctor. Do something. I think Gene says that at one point. Um, 
Beast also says at one stage when they're trying to work out what's wrong with the professor, it seems he has an unaccountable biological condition. <laughs> yep, it's that's what it seems. It's just weird. Um, yeah, not a huge fan of astral plane. I just feel like if you're on the astral plane and it's just like whatever you can imagine, it would be more than just lightsaber fights. Well, my notes say space fight scene with chalk outlines of X and Gene. Sabers, whirlpools, and an armored reptile. WTF. Like, what is yep. that armored reptile? Was that was that the Shadow King? Yeah, like, is that what he is in the astral plane, or can he? Choose? I guess you can be whatever you want in there. Well, why? Are I always thought he was that. What are the chalk outlines then? Ah, so confused because <laughs> yeah. almost as much as Meg, because Meg at the end of the episode. I'd sure like to know what the heck just happened. Yeah, I've got that written down. And the next word I've got, me too, Meg. <laughs> oh, should we get to courage? Yeah, Let's definitely. I courage. like courage. Courage is awesome. I, just, yeah. I have I like very few notes on courage like I did for that last one, but for very different reasons. I don't have any notes on the <laughs> previous one because it was dumb. This one, I was just fist pumping. The boys are back. <laughs> That's what Morph do- sounds like too. <laughs> I, I really like how it opens with the bagpipes I'm just like, ah, Muir Island it must be uh, Anyway, so <laughs> So it is So so Morph's, Morph's got the okay to rejoin the X-Men um, Turns out Morph's back, so a Sentinel's tough timing um, We get a A Meg and Morph team up um, To go and investigate some stuff And There's a bit of Sentinel trauma for Morph Mm. Um, and uh, they, so they sort of sentinels are back we're going to have to do something about it we were welcoming Morph back but maybe you should stay here he's a bit chafed about it um, and so the X-Men so so he he has this incident with Meg that turns out to be a sentinel thing has a bit of trauma not good they, the rest, they go back to the base the rest of the X-Men go on th- to investigate Morph decides he wants to go and help or he knows what's going on or something or other. I can't quite remember. Um, and um, and they they go and they're kind of losing. Morph turns up, saves the day somewhat, um, but then decides after having a bit of um, post-traumatic sentinel um, issues that maybe he's not ready. And so he just helps himself into one of the mini X jets and gets the hell out of there. Heading back to the minor leagues. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I really like this episode. That was some great. Re- some real good use of Morph's powers. I know it's at the end, but like turning into Omega Red and using his tentacles and stuff like that, that's clever. Very um, clever. And then he turns into the big grizzly guy, which might maybe make him strong or something. Trask and Gyrich hiding in the jungle, <laughs> and then the Sentinels find them. Uh, I've got. Um, two, I thought this episode gave us two good um, spin-offs, Megan Morph, obviously, um, but definitely Gyrich and Trask in the jungle, the odd couple. <laughs> Used to be just a couple of regular Sentinel-making guys. Now they're trying to cut their teeth in the jungle. Um, I also enjoyed how Master Mold is alive, but just a head. 
uh, when when Megan Morph team up, uh, Morph turns into John Wayne, which is quite cool. Does a little John Wayne impression. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was good. Yeah. Um, uh, the the scene of this. Oh yeah, right. So there's a scene where there's like a stealth drone, and, and Megan Morph are watching at it. And while they're looking at it, they just keep looking back at each other. I know the listeners can't see this, but they just keep going like. Not it's saying a word. Sean's, Sean's but, doing what he just said he was doing. Uh, he, he explained. And I was like, it's like maybe 20 seconds of them just looking back and forward at each other. And then the drone is great. Um, Beast quotes Ozymandias um, as he hacks the Sentinel's head. And then he says, Fascinating. Um, I've called on Beast Day. Yeah. Yeah. Not so I, hot uh, on him. Well, I was hot early on. He's he's slowed down my rankings quite quickly. Um, can I go through a couple of things I liked and a couple oh, of please. questions? Yeah. Um, is a quote at one point. It says, "If it's." For Gambit and Rogue, you're a week early. Is that referring to their wedding that's coming up or something? I don't know. Are they just on holiday? I don't know. Do they get married? I don't think so. I'm forget. I was real confused. Um, Meg is obviously the happiest. Yeah, Meg is the happiest he's ever been. A couple of things. So in the first episode, that's the one where Morph dies, eh? or yeah, dies. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we hear him laugh in the first episode. Doesn't he laugh to himself when he's like impersonating things he's watching on TV when Jubilee sees him for the first time? I can't remember. I, I don't remember his laugh. Like, you know, his, so he did his laugh in this episode and it was like that evil laugh that he did when he was evil morph. Evil, morph with bags. And I was just like, it just doesn't, <laughs> I bag it doesn't fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just doesn't fit the good morph to be laughing like that. I was like, this seems this is a weird, weird little high pitch sort of cackle. Yeah, like Pat did before. <laughs> Whoa. He's up. I like Morph. I'll take him. I'll take a Morph laugh. He's a great character. <laughs> we had the holy trinity of quotes from Meg when they slice, they jump the fence and they slice into the, oh no, they go through the gate and then Meg opens it. He goes, I don't get mushy. And then he walks in with Morph. Looks like place after a card game. And then, and then, uh, then Psyche say something to him. He's like, keep your shirt on, pretty boy. <laughs> and then it's like quiet for a couple of seconds and then you just hear sniffing powers. Smelling powers. <laughs> Smell powers are Smell powers to the floor on this show. Yeah, that was um that just Yeah, I did have I did have that I don't get mushy written down, but I didn't have any context around. I couldn't remember when he said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can't remember why he says I just wrote it. Yeah, I also I, I'm always on board him mugging off one because he's such a punish and he, he's got some pretty poor leadership in this this episode where everyone's just talking over and he's like, Everyone just shut up. <laughs> 
Speaking of one eye, I noticed a animation gaff where um, they're in that cave and he doesn't have his yellow undies on. And then the next scene he does. But for that split second, I was like, man, if they bin the yellow undies, that costume would look pretty rad. Because it's quite cool with the yellow belts and clips and stuff like that. But then the undies just make it so. I need the undies. Yeah. I reckon the undies give it a bit of a flourish. You would. Well, the, other, the only other thing I thought was like, yeah, okay, cool. Morph's not ready <coughs> to rejoin the X-Men, but why not just like put him on mansion duty, you know, calling the shots from the control room or something, you know, like he doesn't have to not live with the X-Men just because he's not on the field team. Yeah. What is he going to go do now? Is, it, is there like shittier bad guys on Muir Island that he can, you know, start with them just beating up like, Common thieves and stuff before he goes back to working with the X Men, maybe. Isn't bad guy bar named Bad Guy Bar? Yeah, isn't it? It's New Island. All these Cockney Australians hanging around Bad Guy Bar. It's it's obviously Sean because Professor X is a terrible leader. He really is. Actually, a bit of a segue. um, Something that you guys might enjoy, and maybe our two listeners. in doing a little bit of research for the pod, I came across uh, comicsalliance.com. Oh, yeah. And there's a guy there who has written episode guides for every episode of the animated series. Wow. Um, it's really, really good stuff. Very, very funny. Chris Sims is his name. Um, and you'll be glad to know that he fucking hates X. That's good. He thinks one eye is an absolute mug. <laughs> oh, oh. Uh, and shit, his write-ups are just fantastic. He takes the piss out of what they're wearing. Uh, for instance, I'll just read this out. Um, he's talking about their, I think their civvies at this point, um, and storm civvies in particular. So we have an emerald green one-piece pantsuit under a yellow green sleeveless trench coat, accessorized with a headband and a matching choker and necklace, plus opera gloves underneath shorter white gloves, which also match her white ankle boots. Lady, a solid 40% of my wardrobe was purchased at professional wrestling events, and even I know that's a fashion catastrophe. (laughs) It is gold. It's and cool. then a little bit later, Gene, you are lucky that Storm looks like the Wizard of Oz threw up. Uh, Wizard of Oz's closet threw up on her, or else we'd be having to, uh, a serious discussion about how you decided to play as an oak tree. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. So, Chris Sims, yeah, I have to switch this podcast to just reading out his guides. <laughs> right. I bet you guys aren't excited to talk about secrets not long buried. You would be wrong. I love oh. this episode. This was my favorite episode. It was <laughs> all over the show, and I loved it. You are a battler. <laughs> You're a, it You're was a one solar reveler. It was a, it was a one-shot that made no sense, and I reveled in it. It was awesome. <laughs> This is the classic one-shot model where one character leaves and goes and does something. Um, it's kind of similar to some of One Eye's other one-shots in that he knows someone, so he's off to do something. Anyway, so so 
Cyclops hasn't heard from Taylor Prescott, who um, he hasn't mentioned ever before, but anyway, he knows him <laughs> through his orphanage days, and he's a good guy for mutants or something. Um, so he's out in the desert looking for him, and um, this plane crashes due to psychic dog man, and then he's in this tiny little old west type watchdog. town. Watchdog, yeah. Watchdog. Yeah. yeah, I am talking about Watchdog. Um, um, and his powers don't work for some reason and there's heaps of uh, scared people and bu- bully villains um, and um, I, yeah um, there's a guy called Bill Braddock who has the worst costume yet um and and he's running the town and he seems very evil but I, i'm not sure what's going on um and um and so cyclops is trying to one eye is trying to get to the bottom of it and um he, he find basically he does and he sort of helps save the town they're sick of this silas king oh no that's not his name in this though is bill braddock solar his comic book name is Silas King. Um, is running this because he's dealing gold or something. I can't, I can't remember. Um, random Morlocks are living there anyway. I see old mate Moles there and bloody random turns up. And anyway, it's a bit of a dud episode in my opinion. But um, Cyclops, what seems to save the day and uh, liberate this town from Solar. And Pat, why don't you talk about it? You like it. I love this episode. First off, we get that flashback right at the start. Um, we get the OG X-Men outfits. So it goes right back when he's uh, having this flashback about the little um, statue thing he's got of his mate Prescott we haven't heard of before. And uh, that flashback involves stuff going right back to the original X-Men stuff. And then like you can still tell it's part of the flashback because it's got that cloud ring around it and it's kind of shimmery. And it's also got like a conversation that he's obviously just had maybe five or ten minutes before he got on the plane. It's like, why does that need to be in the flat? Why don't you just start the flashback when he was doing that? <laughs> <laughs> it made no sense. So I loved that. Uh, Watchdog was a big giant dog man that, uh, you know. Really I did like Watchdog. Voice. I quite liked Watchdog. Um I liked <laughs> uh, it. Showed Scott's character quite a lot. Old One Eye, like um, he's he's trying to he tries to pick up a ride after um, crash landing and immediately fires up at the guy that picks him up, who <laughs> does so nothing but helps him the entire time. One Eye is just an absolute prick to him. Um, uh, yeah, I noted this down. <laughs> <laughs> come, come uh, in real I really like the bad guys. Might. I like, I like, I like a glam rock villain, which this series <laughs> loves a glam rock villain in Solar. And then we get Toad, who I mostly remember from the movies, and his powers always seem to be, you know, apart from jumping around, spitting either acid or like what he did use. It was like a resin type thing in this episode from his mouth, but in this one, it just oozes from his hands, and he just goes up and just gets all handsy on everyone to. Make them have big resin handcuffs. Uh, and possibly my favourite character of the series in Chet. <laughs> oh, I've got Chet written down as well. Seems very evil. <laughs> yeah. 
shit's um shit's a brick short of a load but um <laughs> he plays a great hand in this episode uh i mean it, all, it had it all <laughs> i've got that little guy's power is is it just producing lots of boogers basically it looked like it <laughs> In doing a bit of research, it sounds like he's got lots of other things, like he can mind control frogs or toads or something like that. Apparently, oh, well, I didn't know that about Toad. Yeah, um, he's been a, he's he's like an OG um, Brotherhood of Evil mutant lackey for Magneto, who just gets treated like shit, even in that lineup. <laughs> I thought it was Puck for a while, um, and then <laughs> I actually thought Chet stole the show, uh, especially the way he spoke. Yes, Mr. Braddock. <laughs> he just does a few just yes. <laughs> what is Chet's problem? <laughs> I just thought the episode was horrendous, absolutely awful. Um, I just put at one point, what the fuck is this episode? He like because obviously it's like they're gonna torture him at one point. They're gonna torture um, Cyclops. Then. Suddenly, it just cuts to him, and he's walking back into that uh, the guy who helps him's house, and then he's back. Yeah, with, I don't know he, how he got away. And he's back with him, and then suddenly goes back into this guy's house. I was like, "We're missing scenes here, or something's going on." Yeah, it made no sense. And they wrapped up the <laughs> ending really quick. Like this town's obviously been trapped by these three pretty hopeless villains that don't seem to have very good powers or just general strength, and definitely don't have this the strategic sort of foresight to pull this off so it kind of seems like the town really gave up at some point like because they turn the tables on them pretty quick when they try mm, mm. They, um, gave up. Got... they gave up like that guy in deliverance you know put up no fight <laughs> i got just a couple of things i was keen to mention there's a flashback um with uh one eye getting picked on by some classic jock bullies um, and I'm like, I, I wouldn't bully a guy with lasers for eyes. I'd be out of there. Um, and, I would, however, uh, bully a lady who can grow bushes and trees really fast. Shout out to the gardener lady. <laughs> um, there's also another appearance from Random. He's in this town. So he's moved on from Asteroid M to this town. Um, and just so I did some exercise, like surely the Solar, um, this this Bill Braddock's a real character, but as, so as I think I said this before, Silas King was his name, and he was a, a, a Captain America villain from the seventies, but also a mutant, so he fits in here. And I, Braddock's an interesting name choice for a change because um, I have, I don't think we've met Psylocke yet, eh? I believe so, but I think do we get like one of those weird little cameos of Captain Britain? That's what I was, yes, gonna, I was actually going to ask if this guy was any relation. Billy Braddock, maybe because it's Brian Braddock and Betsy Braddock. So Billy Braddock, I know there is a third um, sibling like from the future or something, isn't he? Yeah, you'll meet Psylocke a little bit later, Sam. Um, she's a kick-ass crime fighter in a swimsuit. Um, but yeah. I think that's probably enough said about Secrets Not Long Buried. Definitely. Loved it. Best episode yet. <laughs> so, Nightcrawler. Um, very, very accurate to his actual origin story in the comics. Like, 
So Nightcrawler is uh, German, um, is uh, in, a, in a little small town, um, and he's getting um, attacked by a mob who think he's a demon. Um, we get uh, Rogue, Gambit, and Meg on vacation skiing in the Alps, and um, and they um, they hear about this demon, so they they go and investigate. Um, and uh, basically, they initially want to attack Nightcrawler. They even they think he's a demon. Then they find out he might be a good guy. Um, we get some flashbacks. We'll talk about in a minute. Um, and basically, it turns out that some of the priests or brothers of this monastery or church are looking after him because Nightcrawler is a man of God. One of the brothers, brother brother Reinhard knocks on him and um the, the mob comes after them again and a, a mob of pitchforks and laser guns and um and then the the three mentioned x-men and nightcrawler sort of save the day somewhat and um and then we finish with a nice little scene of gambit and rogue in, in paris and um and rogue walks in on meg having a little having a little prayer time God-fearing man. Mm. I really enjoyed this episode. Would you? Oh, Sam, I'm going to go to you first, because at the end of the last episode, you said that you like the sound of Nightcrawler until we mentioned religion. But watch this episode. Thoughts on Nightcrawler? I very much disliked this episode. Because of its religious angles? I don't know if it may be that. Maybe it was. I thought about the religious angle side of things. Um, no, I just did enjoy it. I don't know why. Um, I it probably is probably the, the religious overtones. I I really like this episode, but then I'm like, is that because I know who Nightcrawler is, and he's the a big time X Men character, Nightcrawler? Oh well, yeah, I just assumed his name was Nightcrawler. I was like, he's got to be a bad guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, he gets his name. I think he mentions it in this episode. He was called. The amazing Nightcrawler when he was in the circus. He gets his uh, Robin background story. It's very much the Robin background story. Mm. Being in the circus. I really like this as well, but I it got off to a flyer when they were on their skiing holiday, and they had their nineties <laughs> ski suits on. That was outstanding. They had there some, some absolute s- rippers. Serious, serious objectification of Rogue in this episode. <laughs> So get to, get to, <laughs> well, get when to, the priest tells her to wrap up. <laughs> she gets her sleeves ripped off. And she's just walking around all sassy. Um, I quite like their ski kits as well. Um, I love it when um, R- Rogue says to Gambit, you sure you don't want some help? And Gambit says, of course not. Gambit, a natural athlete. And absolutely <laughs> bails. The, uh, at the, I, I was really rubbing my hands at the, start of the episode when it was... Um, you know the the couple that I ship plus Meg as the third wheel. I was like, this is going to be fucking awesome. Um, I think Rogue or Gambit says, "Hope you're happy to Meg," and straight away he's like, "Don't know the meaning of the word." <laughs> Doesn't lose a beat. And uh, when they so- when they pile they get piled up on by their avalanche, Meg. Cuts the snow apart his uh, adamantium claws. 
Um, I know there's a couple of things I noticed. There's an animation gaff where Rogue gets ordered to put uh, robes on by the monk. Um, who's the outfit keeps met- changing, eh? Yeah, swapping between the monk gears and the, and the, and the sexy ski kit. Um, and then um, I think the flashback's interesting to find out that Mystique is Nightcrawler's mm. mother. Yeah, that was my only other uh, part that I, I thought that was a really good twist. It makes sense with the colour of their skin. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and we get, a, we get a nice good old-fashioned rogue screen. Um, and um, I just know Gambit's a real passenger in this episode, but I still enjoy him being there. Um, and yeah, it seems like Meg's got some real religious hang-ups, but... Also, at the end, maybe Nightcrawler's helped him to find a bit of peace or something. I don't know. How do you feel about him uh, basically mirroring one eye from the last episode when he was just going straight to aggression when he comes across Nightcrawler? Um, How do I feel about it? Nightcrawler even has like a second of like saying like, hey, I don't want to fight. And then Meg throws him straight after that. <laughs> you expect that from Wolverine, no? Like you, yeah. I'm not surprised. Meg's Meg's pretty hot under the collar. Yeah, he's a man of action. Um, I also note that Gambit at, in the Paris thing actually says there are Gambit, no religious man. Um, so he's uh, he hasn't learned anything. Not saying that you were supposed to learn something, but. Uh, one interesting one I th- I had a note on at the start when the mob's chasing um, Nightcrawler. Um, there was no use of destroy him. Someone actually yelled out, shoot him. I was like, mm. oh, no. I didn't know they were allowed to say that. They've never used that before. Normally more about destroying people. Speaking of, um, I um, I was, for some unknown reason, I had a bit of spare time this week and I was like, oh, I didn't want to watch ahead. So I don't like to go ahead and then get muddled with my thoughts about the episodes. So I watched the first episode of the Incredible Hulk cartoon from the 90s, um, which was pretty hard to watch, but um, (laughs) definitely cracked up every time a villain said, and then I will destroy the Hulk. (laughs) (laughs) It's good stuff. Um, But yeah, if there's no other thoughts, we can wrap this one up. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm excited for the rest of season. What am I going to see? The Lotus and the Steel was just like hanging there on Disney Plus. Nah, again. Uh, well, me. we should mention Disney Plus has um, fixed the order. Apparently, big ups to them. Didn't notice. I actually started watching because my daughter was at, when I watched one episode. Um, I didn't couldn't access Disney Plus because she was watching Luca or something. So I found it on the net. I won't mention the website, um, but uh, you can watch it at one point. You, you can watch it at different speeds. Um, so I watched it at 1.25 um, just because, just to get through the episodes a bit quicker. It was real weird, but I, I appreciated it. Yeah, interesting. Good quality too. You'll take that. Um, so next episode, it's another six banger. One Man's Worth, one and two. Proteus, one and two. Family Ties and Bloodlines. So unfortunately, no uh, Lotus in the Steel, but that is, that is coming. 
God damn it. Uh, <laughs> uh, and so just quickly, before we get out of here, if you feel like uh, giving us a, a rating or, or, or some positive feedback, some negative feedback, but with a five-star review, that would be really nice. Um, you can find us at WIWT90EST on Twitter and Instagram, and we've got a Facebook group that nothing happens in um, called Wish It Was the 90s. <laughs> we should do this at the start of episodes because people aren't listening yeah. by now. Yeah, that's fair. All right. Not listening at the start either, though. Even Martin's around, I think, at this point. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, well, um, without further ado. Mission accomplished, buddy. Let's go home. Shout out to the Garden of Mutant. <laughs>